0: Good morning, everybody. That was quite the play in music. (laughs) I loved it. Hello, everybody. My name is Tara. I am the kids and youth pastor here at Centerway. And typically, you don't see me because I'm kind of back in the kids, but I get to hang out with y'all today, which is really exciting. I want to welcome everybody here and everybody watching online and anyone who's listening later in the week. Uh, we just want to say welcome. Also, anybody who's new in the room today, uh, we just want you to know that we have prayed for you and we hope that your time here at Centerway feels like no pressure. Is that my playoff music? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we want you to feel like there's no pressure here. You can just come and experience and just kind of be in, this, in God's presence. Uh, but for the next few minutes, um, this is primarily for our guests so that you have information. Um, we would love to connect with you. And one way that we can connect with you is if you share your information. In the seat backs, so there are info cards that you can just fill out and throw in the, or put in the um, offering box in the back. You can also share... Share your information digitally in a, in an app called Uversion. Um, so either way is fine. Um, but if if you don't want to, you don't have to. But we would love to be able to connect way connect with you. Um, the app is also super useful. You can follow along with the service. You can make Centerway your church, and it'll give you great updates. Super great. Um, you can also give through that app. Now, if you're a guest, there is absolutely no pressure to give, um, but if you want to give, you can give through the app. You can give online on our Give tab and our web, on our website. Um, you can also, if you're preferring to do everything non-electronic, you can write a check, put it in the offering envelope in the seat back, and put that also in the offering box in the back. Um, so last week, we began a new series. And today's week two of In the Light and Darkness series that explores the book of Ezra. Ezra goes hand in hand with Nehemiah. Nehemiah built the wall. Ezra is really involved in the temple rebuilding. So it's kind of cool. So what happened is we'll do, we did Nehemiah. We're going to jump into Ezra for the Christmas season and then we'll jump back in and finish Nehemiah in January. Um, So there's a lot of exciting things coming up today is the last day to sign up for Winter Retreat. All of you people who are 7th through 12th grade, make sure you sign up today. A Winter Retreat is in January. Uh, next Sunday, uh, Centerway will be hosting the Christian Community Choir, Grace Choir, and they will have a concert at 3 p.m. December 20th is our Christmas gathering. We also have a great um, kids and students like party and movie, so make sure you go to the calendar page of our website for more information. Finally, if you have any questions, feedback, ideas, just email connect at Centerway Church, and we would love to connect with you. Um, here's what to expect for the rest of our gathering today. Claude will be communicating from the Bible, Priscilla will be reading scripture, and then we will respond to the word by worshiping through singing. All right, guys, let's pray and um, start our day. Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've done for us, God. We welcome you here, Lord. We welcome you to do what it is that you want to do today, God. We, we say yes. Jesus, I pray that you would come and change hearts, Lord, that you would be glorified with everything that we do, God, and that you would just have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning, Centerway. I'm Priscilla. I'm going to be reading scripture to you today. Um, You can follow along on the screens, um, you can use your app, or you can follow along in the Bible. Today we're reading Ezra chapter 4, verses 4 to 5 and 24. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build, and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia, Then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped, and it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia.
2: Thanks, Priscilla. Good morning and welcome. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, my name is Claude. Uh, My wife, Meredith, and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church, and uh, excited that you are with us, joining us as we continue in our series entitled, In Light and Darkness. In light and darkness. Um, Today actually marks the start of Advent, and this is our Advent series. If you're not familiar, Advent uh, basically means that it's the time of year that we dedicate to acknowledging uh, Christ's arrival, that Christ arrived on our behalf. And if you missed last week and want to watch or listen uh, to any of our messages at any point, you can always go to the messages page of our website and kind of uh, catch up if you're interested or cherry-pick any of the messages that are on there from the past. Uh, This series is essentially an overview uh, through the book of Ezra, and it's because it's connected to Nehemiah. So the story of Ezra is connected to the story of Nehemiah, and we uh, are coming off of a series that covered the first seven chapters of Nehemiah, and we will pick up the remainder of Nehemiah following this Advent series, so we thought it would be kind of cool to... uh, to talk through Ezra a bit. And, uh, as, as far as the series itself being entitled in light and darkness, that's because we're all in different places in our lives and we're all in different seasons at different points within our lives. And, uh, as you contemplate or consider the idea of light and darkness, um, some seasons of our life are with incredible sense of darkness, even around the holidays. Uh, For some of you, maybe you're even here today, and the holiday season, instead of being a a time of joy and excitement, it brings some pain, uh, maybe some loss, uh, some hurt, and so it can feel heavy, almost like a sense of darkness. Um, And then for others of us, there's a sense of light. And so whether you are in light or in darkness in the season that you're in, uh, the reality is God is with us. God is present uh, because he's arrived on our behalf. And so today's talk specifically is entitled Speak, Speak. And you'll get more of a sense as to why that's the title as we move on. But I want to start by uh, sharing a little bit of a story with you, and it requires a little bit of context. Um, I, I had, um, I've had the opportunity to... Um, speak in different places across uh, the Northeast and also, uh, coach and consult other pastors across the country actually. And when I've had the opportunity, uh, to do that, oftentimes my family would travel with me or my wife would go with me. And then in times that, uh, my family or my wife wasn't available, I didn't want to travel alone. And so, uh, Adam would join me, uh, for the road trip and Adam is in charge of our, uh, videography. And so everything that kind of looks good attached to a video, um, He's done. <laughs> so, thank you, Adam. Uh, today he's running our sound. So, way to go. Yeah, everyone, look, that's awesome. <laughs> Adam's also an introvert, so this is amazing. Um, but in any case, uh, he um, he traveled with me, and so we have a ton of of memories uh, at visiting different churches and going through different processes, and just uh, you know, a lot of different road trip stories that are pretty funny. Um, One that is most memorable, and I did ask his permission to share this, so uh, he kind of brought it on himself, but um, we were just outside of Boston, uh, and I had been working with the church for a couple of days, and uh, one of the things that he really enjoys doing is kind of a foodie, so he would find a a local restaurant that we could go out, go check out, and uh, so... We go to this restaurant and uh, it was pretty good. I think it was really well known for its burgers or something like that. And so we're sitting there and we're we're eating and we're talking and reflecting on some things that uh, God was doing in and through this church and in the community and the trip and all that stuff. And um, something kind of catches our eye. Uh, I don't really know how close he was, but he was too close to be doing what he was doing. There's a gentleman in the restaurant uh, who just suddenly begins, um, pulls out a toothpick and just starts picking his teeth. He's standing uh, in proximity to our table and he's just using a toothpick (laughs) to pick out his teeth. It was one of the most disgusting things I've ever witnessed in public. Um, Just as a side note, if you're a person that's like, what? I mean, he had something in his teeth. Don't do that. (laughs) I mean, let me help you out. You know, just don't do that. Um, There's a bathroom. You can go in there. Just pick away. You can go outside, um, you can go into like a little corner in your home or whatever you want to do, but restaurants, public places, proximity to others, not a place to dislodge food from your own teeth. Um, I believe my comment was, my goodness, what will be next? If he starts trimming his toenails, I'm out of here. Something <laughs> along those lines. Uh, so it was a very, very disturbing uh, situation and environment. We were very bothered by it. Uh, to the point where even to this day, randomly, we will bring up the story to one another and uh, and kind of laugh about it. It was horrifying. And uh, the reason I share the story is because I wanted to gross you all out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I share the story because I want, I want that to be a jumping off point to ask you a question. The question is this. Why are we so bothered by what others are doing? Why are we so bothered by what others are doing? are doing i I submit to you that we're bothered by what others are doing mostly when what they are doing can impact our lives they can impact our comfort they impact our sense of stability like when we're impacted suddenly we're bothered people can do things we're kind of like who cares it's almost entertaining i like kind of watching people uh not like through binoculars just to be clear. I just mean like watching people function in society, I'm entertained by it. And when people do extreme things, even when they're extreme things towards me, I'm amazed by it. Especially when it's super bold. I just have questions like, wow, why are you so mean to me? Or whatever, it it doesn't always pan out well, but I always gain a lot of information. Um, So the fact is we're bothered When something that someone else is doing impacts our lives, and you might be sitting there today and saying, no, not me, I don't care. I don't care what others do at all. I don't give a rip. I don't care what anybody is doing around me. I'm just living my life, minding my own business. If somebody wants to pick their teeth, I don't care. Who cares? Pull off your shoes, clip your toenails. I don't care. I'm indifferent. And to you, I would submit just the idea that what if you were sitting in that restaurant in proximity to this guy and you're about to take a bite of food when he picks his tooth and a chunk of food dislodges, flies across the room, lands on the burger you're about to bite and you take in that chunk of food because that's exactly what happened to Adam. No, I'm kidding. That's a total lie. <laughs> that's a total lie. I just wanted to see the horror. And by the way, some of you guys were like almost moved to tears. You're like, what? Like it was it was remarkable. So, and, but um, yeah, that part's a lie. Everything else is true. I just wanted to share the horror with you. Because that's the potential. Like, he was close enough. Across the room would be gross. You know what I mean? Like when somebody's doing something, you're like, oh, that's gross. What is that guy doing? But when he's that close, you're like, I'm bothered by this. This is unsettling. Why? Because it's, he's too close for comfort. We might pay the penalty of his nast. <laughs> Gosh, I hope you're watching online right now. Wouldn't that be remarkable? Like if all of a sudden we could just stand back in time and be like, that dude is odd. So if you're in the Boston area right now watching us online, this would be remarkable. Reach out. Uh, anyway, some of you can't even handle the idea. Like as I started talking about the idea of a taking a bite of food and something falling on. I saw some of you like cover your faces and look down. There's just something disturbing about the potential. Things bother us when they're in proximity to us. They can cost us something, can impact our lives. They impact us in some way. The human tension, this human tension is a tension that we all live with. We all live with on some level, not the food part, but the proximity, the way that other people can impact and affect the way we live our lives, that we're in some way just subject to someone else's poor decision, someone else's misrepresentation of who God is, someone else's misrepresentation of what church ought to be. The list goes on. We're just kind of in the consequence, in the wake of other people's words, actions, Whether we're a Christian or not, whether we consider ourselves a follower of Jesus, and I know that there's always a mixture of people both in the room and online that are at different points in their spiritual journey. So wherever you may be in your spiritual journey, as human beings, we live in the tension of proximity to others impacting the way we live our lives. That's what today's text is all about. If we begin by reading verse 4, which I'll do, Ezra chapter 4, verse 4 says, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. The people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. Now, just a brief context, because I know if you haven't been with us on the journey, it feels kind of like we're cherry-picking a text, and so I want to give you some context The foundation of the temple here has been laid. And so the foundation of the temple has been laid, and the people of Judah are celebrating over the fact that the house of God is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem after they have come as exiles back into Jerusalem. And so they are shouting praise. They're shouting praise to God for what he has done. And now suddenly, these people in the land around them offer to help them to build. That's what happens in verse 1 through 3 in the beginning part of this chapter. They're saying like, hey, let let us help you build. Let us help you build. And uh, the people that are exiled, the people of Judah, know that God has called them to build this temple alone. That this is the house of God and so they have been called as committed followers of God to build this temple and so they refuse the assistance of the people around them. And now their offer to help turns immediately into opposition, into opposition. So now the people of Judah are dealing with this reality that they have gone from celebration to opposition. Doesn't that sound like the narrative of our lives? (laughs) Everything is great, opposition. (laughs) Hey, I'm on a mountaintop, valley. Good news, bad news. It's just the reality of the way life comes and ebbs and flows from celebration to opposition. I want to submit something to you that followers of Jesus, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you should anticipate opposition when you advance spiritually. Let me say that one more time. It sounds a little morbid, a little ho-hum, and I'll explain Followers of Jesus should anticipate opposition when we advance spiritually. It should, it should be the expectation that if we 're moving forward spiritually, that there should be opposition that comes now i 'm not saying be pessimistic i 'm not saying be fatalistic i 'm not saying like, "Oh, things are good in your life. you just wait it 's going to get bad, but it 's okay because god 's doing something new you 're welcome. You know, and you're like, oh man, (laughs) like this is great news. God answered my prayer. He's intervening. The other foot's about to fall. You know, I'm not saying come to life with a fatalistic perspective. What I am saying is don't be surprised. Don't be surprised and don't be deterred if you're being led by God. If God has called you to do something, don't be deterred by opposition. Don't be surprised when it comes. When difficulty comes, don't be shocked. I have three children. Every morning they ask what the temperature is outside or they ask Alexa. <laughs> and and still, on some level, at least one of them at some point throughout the week and definitely throughout the month are somehow still surprised by the actual temperature when they walk outside. <laughs> like, it's so cold. Be like, that's why you own a coat. Why isn't it on? Oh, I didn't know it was going to be this cold. Well... 23 is cold. So we should not be surprised. We should not be surprised by opposition because we are moving against spiritual things, that there's a spiritual dynamic in the life we live. This verse says the people of the land discouraged, the people of the land discouraged. Discourage here is a word that may seem familiar to you if you were with us during the previous series it means that they set out to weaken their hands. In Nehemiah, we heard the phrase that they strengthened their hands in the Lord. And so so now we see this language being used that the discouragement is actually a weakening of their hands. So the people of the land set out to weaken their hands, discourage them. So, Here's the obvious reality when you look at that Hebrew word. What, what it means is that discouragement weakens us. Now, it's not rocket science. But it weakens our hands, which means discouragement weakens our capacity to function. Our capacity to do that which God has called us to do. Discouragement. And get this, because it's used as a participle in the language, this is in, the, in a participle tense of the verb, it means that it was ongoing and even constant. So it wasn't like they just weaken their hands a little bit, like threaten them. No, no, no. It was, it was immediate and it was ongoing. It was an ongoing, constant discouragement. They were so bothered, the people of the land were so bothered by what the people of Judah were doing that they constantly found ways to weaken their hands. Why? Why? Like, why are they so bothered? I believe there's two reasons. I believe there's two reasons why they were bothered. The first is this. They were bothered because the people of the land feared the potential of God's people. They feared the potential of God's people. Feared potential is a reason. Now, if you've been with us for any amount of time, you may or may not know that I played baseball and soccer at the collegiate level, and I was on teams where our ability to intimidate our opponent trumped their talent and ability, okay? Think about that for a second. Our ability to intimidate them actually overcame the fact that they were a better team than us in some cases. We got in their heads. There are examples that I can give where intimidation actually won the day. We weakened them through our verbal intimidation, through the way we carried ourselves on the field, through the way that we carried ourselves even in playing and executing the game. Intimidation led to discouragement that ultimately weakened their ability. They were the better team and we won. Some of you are being held back. You're locked up today because you're in a season of darkness. You're in a season of darkness that seems to have compiled onto another season of darkness to another season of darkness to where you're like, I'm not even sure what light looks like. You're talking about this roller coaster, Claude. I'd love to ride the roller coaster because that means we'll have ups as well as downs. I'm just like on this trip down, it seems. Darker and darker and darker. More loss, more loss, more loss. How much can my heart take? We go into the holiday season. It seems all the more compounded. All the more devastating. I want to tell you that you're being held back and you're locked up not because of your talent, not because of your ability, but because you're being discouraged. You're being locked down because something is in your head. It happens in our lives, both physically and spiritually. We we think sometimes what happens on this plane only impacts this plane. Like that there's no ripple, there's no consequence beyond that. But if, if we can be held back, if we can be locked up in this season of life because we're intimidated, then it only serves common sense, stands to reason, that the same would be true spiritually. Biblically, we know that there are spiritual strongholds. I'm not a hyper-spiritual person. Like, I'm not the type of person, and I've used this example before, like, I don't walk around and be like, "Oh, the devil, oh man, I got that red light, Lucifer. Like, and I know that there are some people that are super hyper-spiritual, and I'm not trying to pick on you if that's the way you function. I'm just saying, I don't look around and see the devil in absolutely every single thing. However, I am cognizant of the fact that there's a spiritual dynamic that biblically... There is a spiritual battle being waged. That's the reality of the life we live. That there is a spiritual effort to destroy you. That if there's a, a day in your life where you're like, man, it feels like someone is setting out to destroy you, because that's happening. That there's a, a spiritual dynamic at place to destroy you, to destroy the stability of your family, to destroy the stability of your marriage if you're married, to destroy the, the legacy of your life. To destroy your influence. Why? Potential. You have potential. You have eternal potential. You have ability. You have talent. You have the breath of God that's been breathed into you. And there's a spiritual dynamic that everywhere you go, you carry hope and peace. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to influence every environment with hope and peace and joy. And the, spirituals, the spiritual principalities and those in authority of this world are fearful of that potential. Just imagine if we were emboldened by the Holy Spirit and spoke the truth of the gospel over our lives and the lives of others. If, if we carry the, the reality of what it is that God has called us to do into every sphere of influence that we walk into, what God could do through us. Or God could do through us not simply on this plane, but even in in eternity, the ripple effect in eternity. If we if we just laid down our preconceived ideas, and instead of giving in to the discouragement, believed that the potential that God had for us that we could participate in the redeeming work that He is doing in and through the region around us. So the first reason these people came towards the people of judah is because of the fear of their potential and the second is that these people of the land had a motive so there's a fear of potential and there's a motive as i mentioned a little bit earlier verses one through three says that they wanted to help <laughs> they said hey we, we just we want to help rebuild this temple and the people of Judah says, basically say, no, that's okay. God has called us to do it. We, we are functioning within God's will. So if, if you care about who God is and you care about worshiping him, then realize that we're functioning according to God's will. And their response reveals that they actually had a motive. These people, instead of saying, oh, well, we want to worship your God, so let us know when you're done. And if there's any way we can help, just let us know. No, on an instant, they turned and they went from, hey, we want to help to, I'm going to discourage you. We'll talk even more detail as to the lengths that they went. But the response reveals they had a motive. These people are concerned about themselves. They're concerned about what they want. They're more concerned about what they want than what the will of God is. We want to help. But we really want our will over God's will. The evidence is in verse 5. The sentence continues. I'll read verse 4 quick. It says, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build, and then verse 5, and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus the king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius king of Persia. So not only did they discourage them, they actually bribed people to make their efforts difficult. They actually spoke behind them, behind closed doors, found ways to frustrate what it was that they were doing, even though they knew they were functioning according to the will of God. These people are more concerned with control than they are concerned with worshiping God. In verse 2, they made clear that they wanted to worship their God. But that was a lie. It was a lie. That's revealed through their actions. That really it was an attempt to gain influence because they had a motive all along. Don't miss this. This is about what humanity wants to accomplish versus what God wants accomplished. That when people have motives, that when people have selfish desires to control, they are actually in opposition to the will of God at times. I want to tell you, if you're trying to pick an enemy, (laughs) you probably shouldn't pick God. You're going to lose that one every time. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's scripture. There is a spiritual dynamic to the way we live our lives. And so when we confront difficulty while trying to fulfill the will of God, we should not be surprised that there is opposition to those actions. There are, there are spiritual and eternal implications to the way we live our lives. This uh, book of Ezra is a historical narrative. It's a historical narrative, which means it is literally telling the story of history. And it reveals a pattern that we can actually learn from thousands of years later. Here we see adversaries opposing the building of the temple. In the future, we know, because of our previous series in Nehemiah, and if you weren't part of that, this is what we know. We know that Nehemiah, when building the wall around Jerusalem, has adversaries oppose the building of the wall around Jerusalem. So this is not new. It's not new that there's opposition That when God has called his people to do something, that there would be opposition at every level. In fact, verses 6 through 23, part of the reason why we skipped that chunk in communicating today's text is because it interrupts the historical narrative. It interrupts it using a literary technique known to the original readers and in most historical ancient writings that basically creates context for us to move forward in the historical narrative in verse 24. So it's important to move the readers forward. It's not critical to us because it can be summed up this way. This is nothing new. (laughs) It interrupts to show that there's a deep-rooted issue showing a continual problem in attempting to move forward in what it is that God's called his people to do. And then it reconnects in verse 24, and in verse 24, which I'll read, it says this. Verse 24 says, Then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped. And it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. It stopped. The people of, of God moving according to the will of God stopped the building. In fact, they were even given permission, the people of the land were given permission by the king who approved the rebuilding of the temple to now stop the people rebuilding the temple by force. So they were physically impacted at this point. It goes from words to physical actions where they forcibly stop the people of Judah from rebuilding the temple. The thing that I love about that verse is really one word in verse 24. It says this, then the work of the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped and it ceased. This is the word right here. Until. <laughs> until. Some of you need to hear the until. Because something of God has been spoken into your life, something of hope, something of belief, and and it seems like it's over. It's ceased. And I want to tell you until. Until, if God has set this in motion, if God has spoken it, if it is in line with the will of God, if it is biblical, I'm not talking about our selfish motives. I'm not talking about something where you're like, I want this because I want it. I'm talking about something where God has whispered it into your heart and into your life where you're like, listen, this is going to come about. I want to tell you until. It's going to happen. God is going to bring about that which he said he would bring about. Get this, there's all these conversations about the king of Persia, this king, King Cyrus, King Darius. I could go through the breakdown of all of it, but honestly, it would be somewhat of a waste of our time. I will simply tell you the conclusion. The times that are given in verse 5 show us that the opposition, threats, and intimidation lasted, wait for it, 20 years. 20 years. 20 years they were discouraged. That is a deep valley. (laughs) Some of you are like, I'm going on months. I'm going on years. Maybe. Some of you are like, anybody got 21? 21 years. You know, like, the point is, it was constant. Constant threats. Constant difficulty. Constant struggle. Twenty years of them believing that God called them to do something that they believe they're furthering God's will and yet there's opposition you know our theology is somewhat a hot mess when we think that the that the word of God that the will of God somehow means there's no difficulty attached (laughs) like where in scripture does that show but in our American western theology we've we've attached theology to ease as God's will Like, hey, if it's easy, it must be God. What? What are you talking about? There's no evidence of that in the Old Testament. There's no evidence of that in the New Testament. Now, that doesn't mean that if it's easy, it's not the will of God. I'm not saying that either. I'm talking about understanding what it is that God has called us to do because it aligns with and supports the word of God. And when it supports the word of God, then we can realize, you know what? This hasn't happened until, until. And so this will be a season of discouragement, but I won't be surprised because we battle not against flesh and blood, but spirit, the spiritual principalities and the heirs of this world that we are literally in the midst of a spiritual battle and we should not be surprised. The other thing that we should know based on the reign of King Darius, the completion of the temple, the things that happen according to history Is that there was no activity on the building of the temple, no activity in what God had called them to do for somewhere between 15 and 16 years. It laid dormant. All bets were off. They stepped away. So get this to the onlooker, opposition had won, it was done. There's no building for year upon year upon year. They're like, we showed them. We showed those exiles. You can't build your temple here. You're not going to impose on the way we live our lives. You're not going to dislodge the control that we've had over this region. (laughs) We showed them. They believed that intimidation had won. That they had thrown in the towel. That intimidation, selfish motives, and control had won the day. Until, until, until the temple was built, until the temple was built. And we fast forward and we know that the wall was rebuilt and that the city was repopulated, that God's will came about. Listen, God is at work, even when it seems that he's not. Because God said he would be at work. That's why. Because he says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Because he says he will build his church. Because not only are you individually deeply loved, but we corporately are on mission. That there's a plan and purpose for our one and only lives and that God is at work. And so you might be in the midst of opposition. You might be in the midst of the darkness of your life. And I want to tell you, until, until God is still at work. Don't throw in the towel. Don't be intimidated. You have potential because of Christ in you. That's it. Listen, this is not a pep talk. This is not a talk about like, hey, listen, you're good. And people are good. You just try harder. You be nicer. And certainly everything's going to work out in some weird way where we just sit back and go, oh, my goodness. Things are better now. No. Those are, those are empty promises. And I'm also not telling you to lower your theology and put God into some box where he's like some type of a genie that we just ask for wishes and it comes about and then we declare him real. No, I'm talking about walking in the difficulty, frustration of life and realizing that in the midst of it, God is walking with us that he has never left us, that through the valley of the shadow of death, he is by our side. That God is walking with us right through the pain with tears running down our eyes, with pain and hurt. God says, listen, but I'm not leaving you because I love you. Even though I know the wretchedness of your heart, I love you and I will not leave you or forsake you. We have potential because of Christ in us. Jesus stepped into time. That's what the holiday season is all about. That's what Advent is about, Jesus arriving in a manger. That the God of heaven stood back and saw the the continual struggle of humanity and realizing that we in and of ourselves could never do enough good to reconnect our relationship with God because of the sin and depravity of our heart. And so God himself stepped into time. And Jesus was born in a manger, and he lived a life that we could not live, sinless, and then laid down his life on a cross and died the death that you and I deserve. And in that moment that he died, and he was put into a tomb, the world thought they had won. (laughs) And for three days, it remained silent and dormant, until... Until the stone was rolled away and Jesus had victory both over sin and death, that because of the person and work of Jesus Christ, we can now have access to God the Father. Not because of our behavior, but because of the behavior of Jesus Christ imparted to us. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, we can find hope in the midst of hopelessness, we can find a peace that passes all understanding. We can find joy, not because we enjoy the the pain of the situation, but because we understand that we're not living for this life. But that God is at work, something larger, something eternal. We can be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. So what can we do? How do we apply this? Like so much of what I'm talking about, you're like, okay. Like maybe you're sitting in there and you're like, I'm convinced. All right. Here's the problem. It's kind of easy to consider and maybe even believe, but opposition will come. Or you're in darkness right now. You're in the hurt right now. You're in the pain right now. And so you're sitting there and saying, all right, I, I believe it, but it doesn't change my circumstances. It doesn't change my situation. In fact, sometimes the opposition will come constantly. Sometimes it will come for 20 years. Sometimes it'll seem like, man, is this struggle even worth it? I'm so fatigued. What is God doing? Well, in verse three, the people of God spoke his will. We can know the truth and even identify a lie being spoken over us, but it's an entirely different thing to speak the truth over our situation, to speak the truth over our lies. Why? Because in the midst of the darkness, we just say, this is where we're at. We settle here, I guess. We set up camp right here, we're done. Instead of saying, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak the truth of the gospel over my life. This is a lie, and I won't settle for it. And if it means 20 years, then I will continue to speak the truth of the gospel over the situation because I know that God is at work. And even though it seems dormant, God is doing what he can only do. And so therefore, I will do what only I can. I will speak the truth of the gospel over our situations and over our lives. And if the situation never changes on this side of eternity, I will go to the grave knowing that I spoke the truth of the gospel and the generations after me will reap the benefit of God's faithfulness in our lives. Right? It's not just us. There's a generation beyond us. There are generations beyond us. And so are we creating a spiritual legacy or are we living as if the 120 years, maybe if we're lucky, That's it. That this life is all we're living for. No. The things you're believing for, the things you're praying for, the things that God has woven into your heart and mind, maybe generations after you will walk in it. What does it look like to speak the truth of the gospel over our lives? I talk about that, and sometimes it can be a little bit difficult. Like it seems nebulous. Like, how do I speak the gospel? Like, Jesus died for me. This still stinks. I'm doing it. (laughs) But the gospel is far deeper than that. It's far richer than that. The gospel doesn't just win us. It grows us. And so the gospel is something like this. When we feel darkness in the midst of being alone, we have the ability to look at scripture and say, I am not alone because Jesus said he would never leave me or forsake me. And so therefore, God, I know you're with me. Lord, I want to be in your presence. Would you walk with me? To help me feel your peace and the, your presence in my life? Jesus says that we're actually knit together in community. And that if you feel alone in this holiday season, maybe you ought to look to the people around you and realize that you're in a community that deeply loves you and that you can be known. You're not alone. You're not alone because Jesus will never leave you, but you're not alone because you've chosen to be in gospel-centered community. And so therefore you can link arms and say, okay, we can walk through this. We're not alone. Maybe it looks like saying, I'm loved even though I feel unlovable. In fact, I'm so loved that Jesus laid down his life and died for me. That's how loved I am. That's how valuable I am to God. I don't need to perform for him. I don't need to try to gain his approval. It was done on the cross. And because of that, I'm free. I'm free to have access to God the Father. That's what it looks like to speak the truth of the gospel is to to acknowledge the why. Why is it that I'm striving? Why is it that I'm alone? Why is it that I feel pain right now? And to get to the the bottom part of it and realize, oh, I'm alone right now because I want to control this situation. I feel alone because I've alienated others because I want control. Because I say I'm good. Because I push people away. It's amazing how we do that in community. I'm not talking about you. I mean a different church. (laughs) I'm so alone. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. So alone. No one cares. How are you doing? You look sad. No, I'm good. No one even cares. Like people are asking. People are reaching out and you're like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But I'm so alone. What? What are we doing? We push people away. We push people away. There, there's a, a story that I think I've shared before where there's a, a guy on a rooftop and the, the community is flooding. And he gets up on top of his roof to avoid the flood. And as he's up on this flood, a boat comes by and says, hop in the boat. And he goes, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm praying that God's going to save me. So I'm good. Go ahead. And so the boat goes on. And he's like, oh God, please send someone, please send someone. Another boat comes by as it's, he's on the very tippy top and like jump in the boat. He's like, no, I'm I'm praying. God's going to save me. God's going to save me. I'm good. Go on. And the boat passes by and then a helicopter comes. Hey, we're your last shot. No, I'm believing God's going to save me. What are we talking about? God sends us boat after boat, helicopter, everything. We're like, no, because why? What do we want? We want the floods to recede. Against all other options and dry ground, I'll walk off my roof. Like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? God sending all these people. And you're like, no, I want God's help on my terms. Hmm. That's about control. That's about what you want. It's amazing how if we can just learn to speak the truth of the gospel, we'll provide perspective. You know, there's a, a verse that's used often that actually drives me kind of batty because it's used often in sporting environments. Um, it's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What are you talking about? Like, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? If you're using it, if you're twisting scripture that way to use it for the purpose of winning a sporting event, then by all means, jump over buildings. Because if that's the way the verse works, then you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So begin to fly, please. No, Philippians 4.13 was penned by Paul, the apostle, while sitting in a prison after being beaten and whipped, and he's sitting there and he's writing down, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's writing, I can endure the difficulty that this world brings. Why? Because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's scripture. That's what he's talking about. Philippians 4.13 is a declaration of saying, I will endure the pain of this life because I am living for something eternal. It's about perspective. It's about speaking the truth of the gospel to yourself and saying, God, I know that my life is not... My own, that I was bought with a price, and your price was your blood. And so, therefore, what are you calling me to do? How can I live in line with what you are calling me to do? Our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. So, what do you speak over yourself? What is it that we claim over ourselves? My this, my that, this is difficult. I'll never, I can't, I won't, I shouldn't. No, your words have power. And so speak the truth of the gospel. Speak truth over your situation. In my flesh, I can't, but with God, I know he is doing something new. God hasn't left me. God loves me. And so I will endure this. And if I endure it until the day that I breathe my last it's okay because i count it all joy i'm quoting the apostle paul a lot i'm not giving reference very often but if you're like hmm that sounds good it's scripture words are powerful to others and to god will you speak over your kids gosh the things i hear in public are devastating declarations of people that just speak like, you're stupid. Look at you. What's wrong with you? Oh my gosh, the power of our words. We create a community in this place where, where children will come, where adults will come, where young people, teenagers will walk into this place and they'll realize that they, were, they will have blessings spoken over their life. That you are loved, that you are special, that God has a plan and a purpose for you, that you are knit together in your mother's womb, and if you're rejected by everyone else in this place, you are known and you are loved. Will we be carriers of the truth of the gospel that will speak against the lies of even well meaning family members? Some of you are locked up by the intimidation and hurtful words of people in your past. You're, you're an adult and you're intimidated. Because of a lie that was spoken over your life. Would you speak the truth over that, not only for yourself, but in the lives of others? Gosh, words are powerful. And we have the ability to not only speak words over ourselves and over others, but to speak words to God and say, Lord, would you come and intervene? And in some cases, just simply weep and cry out to him. It's amazing. Opposition has no problem speaking. The opposition speaks a lot. And even in scripture here, the opposition spoke and it weakened the hands of God's people. It weakened them. The words weakened them. What is it that God is calling you to do? Don't allow the words of others and the lies of this world to weaken what it is that God has called you to do in this world. Don't believe that you're too young. Don't believe that you're too old don't believe that you're too tired that you're too uh, that you're not educated enough that you're too educated that you're all the lies all the lies that lock us up and say i can't have influence in this world i can't have impact my time is done or i can't even begin because what if they ask a spiritually difficult question what if they ask what if what if what if what if listen god has called you to be a part of what it is that he is doing in and through this community, this region, surrounding regions, and the spheres of influence that God has placed you. So if you want to know how it is that we can apply this, we can choose to speak the truth of God's word over our lives. We can choose to speak the truth of God's word over our loved ones, over our situations. We can speak the gospel not only to others, but even to God. But God, you promise this. And so I will remain faithful until until you do what you have birthed in my heart. I will remain faithful and believe that your yes is a yes. And so I'm, I'm simply available for whatever you have, Lord. All of my life. We say every week that the text requires something of us. And so I have a question that I want you to consider asking yourself. The question is this. Where do I need to understand the power of my words? Where do I need to understand the power of my words? Scripture says that we have life and death in the tongue. That's a proverb. There's power in the words we speak. Where do I need to understand the power of my words? If you would just bow your heads, if you'd like, you can close your eyes. You certainly don't have to. You just look at the ground if you want. I'm having you bow your head so you're not... kind of distracted by the worship team making their way up here as they make their way up I want you to continue to contemplate where maybe you need to understand the power of your words for some of you in this place the power of your words begin with speaking a prayer of salvation a prayer of surrender a willingness to acknowledge that which Christ has done for you and to come into relationship with him And so today, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never acknowledged the fact that he died on a cross for your sins, this can be that moment. And you can come into relationship with the Lord not by repeating a rote prayer or going through some spiritual motion, but in the quietness of your mind right now, praying a prayer somewhere along the lines of acknowledging, God, I'm a sinner, but you died for me. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. And you can begin in the quietness of your mind to speak that truth over your life and allow your relationship with God to change. And it's the beginning of a decision. In fact, if you're praying that prayer for the first time today, I'd love the opportunity to talk to you. After today's gathering, I'll be at the Next Steps area and people will ask me all different questions there. You can feel free to come up. You won't. Stick out or anything like that. If you want questions about what's next for you. If you're watching live right now and you just prayed that prayer and you want to take next steps in your spiritual journey, you can click request prayer. You'll go into a private chat with one of our pastors. They'll talk to you about next steps. If you're watching or listening later on through our messages page or through our podcast, you can always reach out via email or through our next steps page on our website we'd love to walk alongside you for everyone who's prayed that prayer for everyone that's already in relationship with the Lord or has prayed that prayer for the first time today I want to encourage you where do I need to understand the power of my words maybe it's in a relationship and I believe that even as I was speaking that the Holy Spirit was faithful to just bring something right to mind like somebody where are like darn it yeah, I need to make that right. Maybe it's a, a lie that you've spoken over someone else that you need to clarify. Maybe it's something that you need to repent before the Lord. And I'm not saying position yourself in a, in a, in a position of vulnerability to, to someone that has hurt you or someone that has abused you in the past. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about maybe making it right before, between you and God. But maybe there is an opportunity for resolution. Resolution. A relationship, a, a strained relationship with a family member, a loved one. I'm always amazed in the holidays how people that profess Christ still have rifts in their familial dynamic. We have the ability to just to be free of that. And even if, even if they don't access it, even if they hang up the phone, even if they curse us out, we have the ability to just extend, hey, I still, I still love you, and I'm available. In your marriage? Have you spoken lies over your marriage? He'll never change. She won't change. She's the same. Can't stand her. Can't stand him. We're just going to endure this. Gosh, speak truth and life over that relationship. Put Christ in the center of your marriage. With your kids, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your ne- nephews, your nieces, your parents, the list goes on. The power of your words may be in your workplace, maybe on your sporting team, maybe in your school. Maybe the words that you don't speak to God, because you have a million reasons why you just can't find time to pray. Maybe today that changes. and understand the power of prayer in your life for others of you maybe you're here and you're like listen I, I speak the truth of the gospel over my life as often as I can when I, when I say words that I shouldn't I, I repent I make that right as often as I can then to you I would say where do you need to understand the, powers of, the power of your words missionally you see we never outpace the gospel we never outpace scripture we never sit here and say hmm good word for someone else no no It's for every single one of us, myself included. So what is your application? Missionally, what does it look like? Maybe you need to have a spiritual conversation in this holiday season. Maybe you need to be a person of hope and say, listen, I I used to endure that same type of pain, but I found peace. And if it's okay with you, I'd love to share my story. You don't have to be equipped with all the right theological answers to simply share your story of God's intervention in your life. Maybe it's as simple as an invitation. Maybe it means an invitation to the Christmas gathering, something that people will attend just because they come out for things like that in the season. Maybe it's as easy as just saying, hey, would you come to this Christmas gathering? I have an opportunity to experience and hear the truth of God's word and the gospel presented in a way that could just potentially transform their hearts and lives forever. So what will you decide? Lord, we come before you today. And we declare ourselves available. And with our words, we speak worship. We speak blessing. We choose to worship you in response to who you are and that which you have done. In the midst of our circumstance, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of mountaintops and valleys. Lord, wherever we find ourselves. In this moment, we choose to speak worship and blessing to you. Would you hear our praise? And would it be a sweet sound to your ears? Let's worship the Lord together.
1: Some of the songs are just declarations about who Jesus is, which is exactly what we need to be on our lips. But this first song
0: has some personal tones to it. It says, I in it a lot. And you run the risk when you sing corporately songs like that, that you exclude people. But in the context of this message, I just want to say that this can be your confession. So even if you don't believe it right now, sing it until it do. Sing it until it's deep in your heart, because this is truth. This is not just fancy words. This is truth that God has been faithful all of our days. So even if you don't feel it, or maybe you have yet to experience God's faithfulness, let's
1: declare this together. Shall we?
2: where you just need um, you need some prayer you want to speak to somebody you want to process maybe just the, the darkness that you're in or you, or you want some, some strength from the Lord to, to have a conversation that maybe you need to have I just want to let you know that we're available for prayer that Meredith will be available up here and uh, I'll be available at the Next Steps area and uh, we just want to pray with you and walk alongside you, you know? and uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer Heavenly Father We come before you and we're grateful that you have done the work. That we can walk in freedom because of that which you have done. That we can have access to God the Father because of your sacrifice. And so we come before you just declaring ourselves available to be a part of whatever it is that you want us to be a part of. Lord, we want to walk in your will. We want to leverage all that we are. We want to steward our lives for your glory. So would you give us the words to speak? Would you show us the areas of our lives? We need to change the language to the truth of the gospel so that it can have eternal impact and influence in a world that so desperately needs it and wants it. We ask that you protect us as we go our separate ways, as we're sent out into this world, that we would live on mission, being part of what it is that you're doing, and that we would come together safely next week to rejoice and celebrate that which you have done in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. We'll see you next week, and we're available if you need anything. If you are new here and haven't met me yet, I'd love to to meet you before you go. God bless you.